Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. These shows are brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. We, Heidi, we've got somebody on that uh, you know from TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for the Military, which is uh, for people who've lost family members in the military, and it's run by our fabulous friend, Bonnie Carroll, whose husband died, and she started the whole program, and we've met so many fabulous people through this program, and I know, Heidi, you do a lot of work there, so why don't you uh, launch off this show and tell us about our guest? Well, like you said, Mom, our guest today works at TAPS, and you and I, Mom, are both on the advisory board for TAPS, and TAPS is the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, and they deal with the military. And I've wanted to have Gabriel on for a long time, and we keep talking about connecting. And I'm really, really happy to, and excited to have him here because he's talking about sibling loss. We don't have enough people in the world that are out there building awareness for sibling loss and why our losses are unique. And we're going to talk today with Gabriel about guys losing brothers. So Gabriel Rayo was 23 years old when his brother Elijah was killed in Afghanistan. And this was in 2009. Today, he works with TAPS. He is the manager of community engagement. He leads wilderness expeditions, and he does group retreats. And he lives in Texas, and we are honored to have him on the show today. So hello, Gabriel. Hello. Uh, thank you so very much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys a bit more today. I just got back to my home office yesterday from Daytona, Florida. Hosted a group of 25 men who lost a loved one. We had widowers, we had siblings, fathers and sons as well, uh, even a battle buddy. It was an incredible experience. We were able to really live out uh, the legacy of service from our heroes. We did a build with Habitat for Humanity for two days. We were able to spend a day fishing out there in Florida as well. And the last day we, uh, partnered with NASCAR and we're at Daytona National Speedway and got the guys to go 175 miles an hour around the track and they loved it. It was incredible to see these guys smile again. Uh, one gentleman said this was the first time uh, in four years that he's just been filled with joy. So it was an absolutely incredible experience. Heidi, that reminds me of what we said about men before. They're doers, aren't they? Absolutely. And being able to get out there grief and just you know express themselves through going 170 miles an hour and opening opening it up i mean that's pretty amazing is that what you needed uh when your brother was killed i really could have used an event like that out of the gate um for me i kind of delved into work immediately afterwards i was a chef i owned a restaurant and that was the world that i was in control of when everything else was spiraling out of control so i delved into work and i went in there and um, was able to kind of live by my own rules for that. Um, but what really made me turn the corner was I utilized the TAPS local counseling resources and had an opportunity to start to talk about what was happening, to realize that um, others go through a similar experience. And uh, I went to the national seminar two years after Elijah died, met another brother for the first time, and I, it was like hearing an echo. It was the first time I'd heard somebody else's story and it resonated with me. What resonates with you about losing a brother? Well, for, for me in Oregon at the time, there hadn't really been any military losses. Uh, there was one other one that happened a couple years beforehand and 
we were losing our military presence. There's a base called JBLM, Joint Base Lewis McCord, that's uh, 70 miles north where I was at, but there's not really a big military presence in the state of Oregon. So it felt kind of isolating after I received that knock on the door. I mean, nobody really understood what was going through. I wasn't in a spot where I was understanding what was happening. And his siblings were often, you know, the forgotten grievers. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the national seminar and I heard somebody say, you know, it feels like I'm holding my family together. It feels mm -hmm. like people look past me and aren't asking me questions about my grief or my loss. That's what really resonated with me. And that's what kind of helped propel me to find additional opportunities, additional friends, additional networks to be able to connect with um, and help me grow. So, so Gabriel, I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about Elijah and your relationship? I mean, Elijah was in the military. Absolutely. Uh, so Elijah, uh, my older brother, middle child, we have a sister named Cicely, who's the oldest. Um, Elijah, it was only after his death that I kind of really realized that he always kept an eye on me, always kind of cared for me and always took care of me. Um, but he was uh, really into computers. He was a pretty shy, timid guy until he came back from basic, uh, from basic training. He stood up tall. He was uh, much more of a man than he really had been beforehand. But Elijah definitely, he came back uh, just more grown up than I'd ever seen him. It's interesting to me that you totally changed careers. Talk about that. Are you seeing that with other men? Oh, yes. I think that... Well, I'll share about my career change first, and I'll share about what I've seen in others. Uh, for me, uh, cooking was just, it was a part of my life for 13 years, and I had a good level of success. I owned a restaurant in Oregon and was a chef for the Four Seasons in Hawaii and thoroughly enjoyed it. But it was actually from the experiences at TAPS um, through the programs themselves that let me know I wanted to give back to others how I'd received um, so I ended up leaving TAPS or leaving cooking to join TAPS full time because of how powerful the experiences were. So I left Hawaii and moved to Seattle, Washington uh, to join the retreats team about five years ago to help put on the events. Um, and one of the things I think that happens around grief is there's a lot of beautiful growth that happens to an individual as well. Once you get past the initial early stages of grief and the loss and just the trauma itself, I'm a marked, uh, just an entirely different person than I once was. I have a deeper appreciation for life than I did before, understanding how fragile it is. And more often than not, individuals who've experienced a loss want to give back in some way to those who gave back to them. Um, so a lot of the men I work with within TAPS as well, either start their own nonprofit, volunteer their own time, my wife, uh, she works in hospice. My wife, uh, her late husband, Jack, Special Forces, was killed in the Philippines September 29th, the same year my brother was killed. Wow. Well, well you know, you're saying that uh, you have a bigger appreciation for life, and there's a lot of stuff on post-traumatic growth. And you were a young adult. You were 23 when your brother died. I was 20 when Scott, my brother, died. And you're right. It, it totally changes our life course. And, you know... And like you said, we both, you start to appreciate that life is not forever. You know, people can die and we need to make the most of this life right now because it's, you know, you just don't know when people are not going to be here anymore. So I think it's a really key time to have a sibling loss, you know, kind of in that early 20s life, life stage. 
I mean, absolutely. For me, I mean, I just started to get my feet under me as a young adult. You know, I'd, I'd been working since I was 14, so I was established in terms of the early stages of my career as a chef and was, you know, truly blessed to be able to have a solid group of business partners to be able to own a restaurant at that age. But, you know, your identity is still forming. Right. Um, you know, and now being several years out from the loss of my brother, too, is where, you know, grief in and of itself is different, though, too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got married two years ago, and that brought up different pieces of grief that I never experienced before. Like the realization I couldn't call my brother up to invite him to my wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are a lot of things that... You couldn't be, you couldn't be your best man. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, I love all the stuff that you do, Gabriel, with, with around finding hope again. And one of the things that was interesting that we talked about right before the show was the wilderness expeditions. And when my brother Scott died, I honestly didn't know how I was going to survive or if I wanted to, because it was just so painful. And I went on Colorado Outward Bound and it was really, really life-changing to be able to go into the wilderness at that point, my grief journey and, and grieve and openly and, and succeed also and meet all these challenges and come together with the group. So I want you to tell us what about these wilderness expeditions that you do is healing and what are they exactly? So there's two forms of the wilderness expeditions. We do domestic, so stateside programs. We do international ones as well. So one of the beautiful aspects of the stateside is you really get to explore and see and just witness the beauty in the United States that our loved ones ultimately fought and sacrificed their lives to protect. So it's absolutely incredible when you can go and journey 100 miles down the Grand Canyon and experience it. And for our survivors, when they come with us and they're in there and they're in that space, you're miles away from everything else. You're seeing stars that you may not have even seen in your life. Waterfalls. I've been down there. It's fabulous. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it, you're, you're going to be a changed person after you leave that space from the outdoors themselves. But then to be able to facilitate in there, A, it makes my job easy. I mean, you can't make it any better than that. Mm-hmm. But I'm able to help create an environment that allows the survivor to unplug to truly be immersed in that experience. And you can't deny that you have movement. You physically moved a hundred miles down the Grand Canyon when you were there. So I'd be able to use those metaphors and analogies and just the the space that we're in to really create a powerful experience. Uh, One experience that always stands out is often when we're grieving, you know, we're hunched over, we're breathing shallow, we're looking downward. um, And we tend to have, negative speak or negative self-language that takes place as well. And so one of the, the, the ceremonies I did with the group is uh, you can't have fires in the Grand Canyon. So I took a five-gallon bucket and put a headlamp on it so it illuminated. And I had to sit in a circle around it and then told everybody to just take a breath to, to really center ourselves where we were at and to look up at the stars. And one at a time I had everybody stand up and we would all shout a positive word of affirmation and it would billow and just echo through the Grand Canyon because we're the only ones there. And that was the lasting impact of each and every individual that was on that trip was, was that moment to, to just hear that uh, positivity resonate back to you. I, I love that you, did a, you chose to do a positive. Because mm-hmm. I think oftentimes after loss, we are really focused on all the negative. And then it grows because we, we can't see out of that. 
So I love it because I think that's a shift in energy for you to focus on the positive and for people to feel good about that. And then they, you know, it starts to grow, hopefully. Absolutely. I mean, in every, every individual in that experience, that was uh, day four of the five-day experience for that trip. Um, they had bonded. They had um, gone from, I mean, there's a, there was a couple there that I'd seen for three years at various events at TAPS, and I'd never seen the woman smile. And she erupted in laughter multiple times throughout the trip. She had a smile from ear to ear multiple times. And after that evening, I mean, was a completely transformed individual. Who said something that helped you after your brother died? And who said something that didn't help you? Or what was said that helped? And what was said that didn't help? I like that. I feel terrible because the first thing that comes to mind is actually the negative one. And that would be, I, I was actually, I was engaged at the time to a different woman and um, just her, gen, the, her reaction of, you know, it was maybe three or four weeks afterwards and the anticipation was there that I would have been the same and that I would have still tended to her needs versus needing support of my own. And so that experience, I don't have like exacts for what she said, but that experience in and of itself was um, eye-opening. Did she want you to just get back to the way you always were? Yes, to be able to be there to be present for troubles that she was having at work that day and things like that. And mm -hmm. for me, it was, I mean, do you realize my brother was just killed and there, mm -hmm. you know, versus a, a challenge that you had? Because challenges seemed trivial at that point yeah. with the, the depths of grief that I was in at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, when you when you talk about that, I remember uh, Heidi saying she was in college and her uh, friends, they didn't know Scott and they wanted her to, you know, be the party girl. Right, yeah. Heidi? Absolutely. I was in a sorority. Scott died. My world was turned upside down and they gave me a couple, few weeks. Right, Gabriel? They gave me a few weeks and then they were like, okay, you got to be over it now. Time to, time to be the old Heidi. And I was like, do you realize that my brother, who I thought was going to be in, on this earth forever, is gone? Mm -hmm. But they had no concept because they had never had a brother die and they didn't understand it at all. So I, I totally relate to what you're saying. And so it sounds like at that point you realize this is probably not the best fit for me. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, needless yeah. to say, our relationship ended shortly thereafter. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not everybody's good grief support. No, absolutely. So it was real challenging for me at that time. Actually, I, I ended up selling my steak in the restaurant a couple months after that, and we got, I got rid of the house. And so for me, it was a pretty, it brought me to a foundational place. Um, I think as a man, you kind of relate to the world with who I'm with, what I do for work and where I live. And six to seven months after Elijah died, all of that was kind of gone. And I, I realized a lot of it was built on a sandy foundation and it was an opportunity for me to decide really which direction and where I wanted to go um, with my life. I love what you're saying, Gabriel, because you're saying, okay, now I'm on a sandy foundation. However, being on a sandy foundation creates opportunities also. Absolutely. I, I'm an eternal optimist. And so I, I didn't let that one, you know, that wasn't a, an opportunity for me to sink. It was an opportunity for me to really look at the world in a different way. And, you know, it, it propelled me to where I am now. I, I knew I was ready for a change. And so I ended up getting ready to move to Hawaii shortly thereafter that. And that was a catalyst for me to really, really grow and evolve. And you moved to Hawaii. Hmm? 
you did move to Hawaii, right? I did, yeah. I took a corporate job for the first time, and I was a corporate chef for a year, and the agreement was that I would transfer a year later to one of their properties on, on one of the islands. Didn't happen, so I said, okay, I'm done. I left that job, sold my things, and an uh, 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 individual who cooked in Portland, his family owned a restaurant out there, so I went out there, did a couple TV spots and a radio interview because of my previous professional experience, and then was a chef at the Four Seasons. So wow. it was uh, more than I ever could have imagined. And uh, there was Elijah, there was a catalyst that showed me that I had the strength to, you know, to do something along those lines. You know, what comes up for me when I hear you talking about this is one of the things that I don't think people realize is that you do lose a certain amount of fear. It's kind of like the worst thing that's ever happened could happen and, you know, so what, I can go on. Absolutely. I mean, I think naturally you're going to take a moment where you go inside and you're, you, you stay closer. I became very sheltered for a minute. You know, I, I, I gravitated more towards my family than we all kind of pulled apart for several years while we figured out who we were because our family wasn't the same. We weren't either. And then I'd say probably five years or so after Elijah's death, did we start to come back and we all started to come back markedly different, uh, but truly better in a lot of ways. And, and now, you know, was it nine years out? Um, I mean, we're all very, very different people. My mom is a wholly different individual. She went from cloudy Washington state to now she lives in Scottsdale and owns her own business and is financially secure for the first time in her life really. And, um, you know, has passions renewed like her art that she didn't have prior to Elijah's death. I mean, so there's been a, a lot for each and every one of us in the family. Wow, that's amazing. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. You're really, uh, truly an inspiration. Well, thank you so very much for having me here, too. And uh, it's an honor to be able to share Elijah with each of you. It's an honor to share a bit of my wife's story as well. Um, and I can't applaud you enough for engaging the conversation with me and all of your listeners and viewers also. So thank you. Well, well Gabriel, thank you for everything you do for so many throughout the world to help them find hope after loss with taps and thank you for you know your brother and sharing him with us today because he is an american hero and i could hear throughout this 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 whole conversation how you've continued bonds with him and i know he's your guiding light scott and elijah are, are our guiding lights and they always will be so uh thank you so much thank you and thanks everybody for watching the show today and Heidi and I and I'm sure Gabe also would like to remind you all that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your run and go.